Uh, The reading today is from Habakkuk 2, and we'll be reading the whole thing. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood, you have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labour is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbours, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming round to you and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by craftsmen, or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver, There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let's keep that open and let's pray. We want to honour the end of that reading. We want to be silent before you in the sense of listening to what you are saying, Lord God. And so please help me as I speak, us as we seek to listen, that we might hear what was written a long time ago and yet hear what that message is to people through all time for us today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Peace or shalom, to use that fabulous Hebrew word. It's so precious and such a challenge to find in our hectic world. Two very different ways. I think you'll find people trying to achieve peace 
One is a sort of Zen mindfulness where you focus on the present rather than the future and you don't sweat the stuff that you can't change. And I understand that. I understand particularly the desire to cut the worry that often happens when we focus on the future and on things that we have no power over. But the Bible in Habakkuk and other places reveals a better way, which is faith in God's promises and waiting on his timing. The crucial difference is that the Bible's way doesn't try and disengage from what's happening around us, because although we can't change it, we know that there is someone who can. Let me give you an example. I've just come over the road uh, from the five-year anniversary service of the um, uh, Grenfell fire uh, that's just happened at Westminster Abbey. And um, you won't be at all surprised to know that feelings are very, very deep and raw and real and the, the pain, the grief, it's, 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 it's just as intense as it was five years ago. And those utterly justified feelings, they need to be expressed, not simply looked away from and focused somewhere else. And that, that expression of how we really feel, that pouring out our hearts, is here in Habakkuk in chapter 1. We looked at it last week. It's there in the Psalms, like we were reading across in the Abbey. It's, it's, it's crying out, it's complaining, it's wrestling with God and pouring our, out our hearts to him. That's where we got to last week. And that uh, takes us to uh, the first verse of chapter 2, where I, I don't know how you uh, tuned into that. Habakkuk's basically saying, I'm going to stand, having made my complaint to God, I'm going to stand on the wall of Jerusalem, and I'm going to wait until I get an answer. We don't know how long he had to wait, or how God spoke to him, but here, in most of chapter 2, we have God's answer. And if you look down to verse 2, it explains how it comes to be in your Bible, or on your sheets today. It was written down. Okay, Steve, that's not particularly remarkable. We're very used to writing, aren't we? Get a pen out or get a device out and tap something on the screen. We forget it wasn't always like this. Verse 2 tells us it had to be written on tablets, which means we're reading something really significant. It's important enough to be laboriously written down, carved on tablets, because it's God's own words, his revelation. And it needs to be heard by others too, so it can be taken by heralds once it's written down. So what is this revelation, this vision? It speaks, verse 3, of the end. And if you flash across to the one positive verse on the right-hand side, verse 14, it seems to be not just the end of the war that Habakkuk foresees, but the end of all things. Negatively, in that whole context, it's woe to the oppressor, Babylon back then. Anyone like them since? God sees it all. He knows what we've done, and no one will get away with it, including whoever's responsible for Grenfell. It's a sobering warning. But positively, verse 14, in the midst of that, sees a day when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. This, this picture of God being known everywhere by everyone. Not in a kind of, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in God kind of a way. But no, knowing God, being known by God, having that relationship with him, that we're transformed to become like him, where, I don't know whether you can imagine this, where everyone you meet and I meet will be just like God in the way they relate to you and everything around them. 
Can you imagine that? So that you see God's glory, God's goodness reflected. Whoever you talk to, wherever you are, because people treat you 100% like God treats you. They love you like that. And you, in response, you, you treat others 100% like God, God treats them. That day is coming, says the Lord Almighty. Isn't that a promise worth carving into tablets? And God gives it just before the Babylonians are going to come and destroy everything. This promise is the thread that will keep Habakkuk and anyone else who puts their faith in God's word going through the dark days. And it doesn't just have resonance for troubled times. If you look down to verse 4, the second half, is almost a throwaway line there, a principle for all time. The righteous person will live by their faithfulness, or faith if you've got a Bible, which I have here, and you look down to the footnote, because the Old Testament word and the New Testament equivalent they cover both our English words for faith and faithfulness. It's both a heart that responds to God by trusting what God says, and then a life that reflects that in faithfulness to living accordingly. That is the right or righteous way to respond to God. And it's all God looks for in you and me, repentance and faith. And we know it's a principle for all time because this is referenced three times in the New Testament, most famously in Romans chapter 1, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile, everyone. Remember, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. For, says Paul, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it written, the righteous will live by faith. And Paul explains in that section of Romans, wonderfully richly, how righteousness, right standing with God, is given as a gift to everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. That Jesus' death pays and rescues us from what our sin deserves. And his resurrection, as he is raised to new eternal life, he is the one who gives new eternal life to all who turn to him. That's how people like you and me can, can be transformed to be 100% like God. is through the Son of God who was 100% like his Father, always. And who is always and who lives and who raises from the dead and then, and then brings sisters and brothers as his sisters and brothers to the Father and will transform us one day to be entirely like him. It's so wonderful. But back to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3. You'll need to wait for that day, for that to be fulfilled in your life. For the revelation awaits an appointed time, it speaks of the end, and will not prove false, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay what Habakkuk was about to experience in his kind of immediate circumstances was chaos and carnage. But he lived by trusting in God's promise, even in the darkness. And, and he sort of tasted, as it were, he tasted the future in the present. Because as he looked at that time that God had promised, where, you know, where the knowledge of God does fill the earth, he could taste God's goodness in the now. And there's something really profound there about living by faith, walking through this world 
by faith in what God says. Just as verse 3 warned, the promise lingered for 600 years until the appointed time of Jesus, and it's still lingering for another 2,000 years and longer. The earth is not yet filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And so we, today, need to hear this same principle, the assurance of verse 3. It will not prove false. It will certainly come and will not delay, because who makes this promise? Almighty God. God is a promise keeper, and so his people... I promise believers, promise followers, not just trusting God's word, but allowing what God says to transform our life, to transform our priorities, building on what he says, because we know it's going to happen. And that'll give us different priorities from what's usual in life, won't it? Uh, A really obvious example is doing the God-honouring thing at work, even when nobody sees it, or uh, nobody appreciates it. That's a really obvious example. Another practical thing, uh, decisions like where we live. We'll obviously want to find somewhere that's enough for us and our family, but we'll know, even as we make the kind of most expensive purchase of our lives, that it's just temporary because our real home is with God in heaven. That's where our souls yearn to be, even as we enjoy choosing the new wallpaper or whatever else is involved. Where we go on holiday, again, we'll look for something obviously very relaxing. It's a stressful life in London, not least where you guys work. But we won't be looking for heaven on earth, which helps us when we have an actual holiday. And it's nice, but it's not perfect. We won't start blaming whoever did the booking. We rather enjoy all the good things about it, but we remember the perfections only in the future in God's place. Or our relationships with colleagues, with, uh, with our other half, with, with children, with friends, with, with wider, wider family. We love them and we celebrate them. But when they fall short, or when we fall short, we don't cancel them, we forgive them. Because the relationship that matters most is... based on God's forgiveness of us through Jesus Christ and then we pass that on because we know that our righteousness is based on faith in Jesus at church um, we've been doing a course um, called Hope Explored and I've been really struck um, by how faith in the right things namely God's promises well anything certain faith in something certain like God's promises it, it, it rightly creates hope in our lives that will get us through the darkest times. Hope being the feeling you had, we had as kids, in that final week of term before the holidays. Or the last couple of days of work before you go away as an adult. Uh, it, it's how it feels a couple of minutes before um, the final whistle. Uh, Your team is so far ahead, you know they're going to win. And so even though they're still under great pressure, every pass, every tackle, you can anticipate what's coming. And it builds and it builds as the clock counts down to certain victory. That is hope. It is a spark inside you, a light that guides you, a feeling that lifts your head whatever you are going through. Your circumstances remain the same. 
But that future horizon shines light into the here and now. That is what it's like to live by faith in what God says. And even more than Habakkuk, a long time ago, we can know that hope, whatever we're going through. We can know a peace that passes understanding because we don't just have God's Old Testament promises and prophecies. We know what he's done since then. We know what he's done in Jesus. And again, it's written down. And most of all, we taste it now by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As God's personal presence is poured into those who put their faith in Jesus. And he lifts us and he leads us. And he nurtures that proper hope in God's future. That's the big thing to take away from Habakkuk chapter 2. To put our faith in God's promises and to live in the light of them. Even though the fulfilment lingers.